0: Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to all the moms out there. Yeah. And I was was wondering if our culture was going to start including those who have fur babies. And uh, yes, apparently yes. Amy is ahead of the curve on that there. Um, uh, So one of the things that I was surprised to learn after becoming a pastor was that many moms dread going to church on Mother's Day right? Uh, do I have any people that would agree on that? All right, Susan, no, loves it. Good. Well, I was, I was given that information, and it surprised me. Um, and it was surprising to me because typically, you know, I spent 20 years in youth ministry. I'd come to church on Mother's Day, and I'd hear my pastor preach a sermon um, meant to communicate to women. And a lot of times, it was like, all right, here's what he would find a woman in the Bible that, and, and what made her so ideal, what made her such a good mother, and, and it just seemed appropriate to me. As a man, sitting there on Mother's Day, seemed appropriate. You preach about manhood on Father's Day, preach about womanhood on Mother's Day. But can I tell you that um, men and women are different? Have you all figured that out yet? <laughs> and, and what makes... For a good message on Father's Day to men does not make for a good message to women on Mother's Day. Um, uh, This surprised me, which shouldn't surprise you because a man being surprised about differences in men and women, that's like we are oftentimes confused there. Um, Being a mom, it's a hard job. Every day being a mom is a difficult job, and that includes Mother's Day. Right? Just because there is a day that's set aside to honor's mom, that does not mean that children will all of a sudden become cooperative, helpful, and mature. Um, and for many mothers, the normal stresses of being a mom, they're still there on Mother's Day. And then they would come to church and hear a message about an ideal woman, what an ideal woman looks like. And, and that left just a lot of moms just feeling like failures, especially after you had to yell at your kids to get them dressed and get them to church on time. And so I, I learned this. Um, uh, I, I had no idea, but, but God did give me a wife who's smarter than me. And, and she has had some measure of success in helping me learn these sort of things. Um, and I just say she's had some success Uh, And I'm sure that if you were to ask her, she'd be like, yeah, he's still got a lot of stuff to learn. Um, She's shaking her head on that. I got my second amen today. So today on Mother's Day, I'm not going to be preaching a message for moms. Rather, I want to preach a message for everybody who has a mom, all right? And that should be all of you, if my calculations are correct. You know the history of Mother's Day? The first mothers, the first mothers honored were not actually mothers. They were various ancient deities. Isis was an Egyptian goddess who is credited as being the mother of the pharaohs. Uh, there was Rhea and Sibyl. They were two Greek goddesses, and they're so similar that oftentimes they're considered the same goddess. Um, Rhea or Sibyl was known as the mother of the gods, Sybil was—I mean, it was a Greek god—but she was eventually adopted by the Romans, and she was honored with games. The Romans—they—they uh, they had some natural disasters happen in their in their kingdom, and they were like, "Ooh, maybe maybe if we would honor the mother of the gods, then things would start working out for us." So they started honoring um, Sybil as one of their gods. Uh, in the 16th century, as Christianity spread, the celebration of mothers shifted from pagan deities to Mary, the mother of Jesus. And, it, um, and so they began celebrating Mary as a kind of a Mother's Day. Then in the 17th century, the celebration of the Mother Mary, it was brought into all mothers. And it became a day where working class people were not forced to work on that day. They were given a day off so they could go and visit their mothers. And it became known as Mothering Day. Now, when the first English settlers came to America, they discontinued the practice of Mothering Day. Uh, there's a couple theories as to why, because it's, it's not entirely sure. Um, but but two, of the, two of the theories of why they discontinued Mothering Day when they came to the Americas, the first was they were just simply too busy. That, and they just didn't have time. I mean, look, they were, they were settling a new land. You're having to build log cabins. You're having to establish farms. They just they, they needed to spend every day working to survive and so to give a day off for mothers that that's possibly why they discontinued the practice. The other theory is is just simply um, that the Puritans they um they they, they just they, they ignored secular holidays. In fact, the Puritans were so pure that if you were to go into a Puritan church, like you wouldn't find crosses, you wouldn't find decorations in the room. That they just kept things very, very basic, and so like they just—they probably weren't the kind of people who would celebrate Mother's Day. In 1870, a woman named Julia Ward Howe, uh, she's also known as the writer of the Battle Hymn of the Republic, she started a Mother's Day but it was initially a, um, a protest. It was a protest of the Civil War. And she wanted to, she called on all moms because she's like, listen, the sons of mothers are killing the other sons of mothers. And she says, this cannot be. And so the Mother's Day in 1870 was a protest against the Civil War. The seed was planted there in America, but the celebration of mothers would not begin to blossom for another 40 years. In 1908, a woman named Anne Reeves Jarvis, she petitioned her church for an official day honoring mothers. The celebration took place on May 10, 1908, at Andrew's Methodist Church in Grafton, West Virginia. And on that day, she gave every woman two white carnations, which were her mother's favorite flower. In 1914, Woodrow Wilson signed it into a national observance declaring the second day of May as Mother's Day. So you can see that the origins of Mother's Days really can be traced to a Christian root. Uh, and while all of that is interesting, the actual idea of giving honor to mothers, it goes well beyond the histories of individuals, well beyond religious celebrations of Rome and Greece and Egypt, it really goes back to the heart of God. And you can see it in the Ten Commandments. You know, in the Ten Commandments, you were given how we should live and how we should act toward God and how we should act toward each other. Uh, These were the very first instructions that God gave to a people who had been enslaved in Egypt for for around 200 years. You got to think about it. Like, what, what kind of mindset does a person have after 200 years of slavery? I mean, these people were probably people whose concept of right and wrong, that, that concept was determined by an Egyptian pharaoh um, and the slave masters who were the ones snapping the whips on their backs. Uh, they probably would not have had any reason to think that stealing was wrong. Uh, they probably figured out that you're stealing from an Egyptian Uh, ruler that was wrong because that brought some undesired consequences in their life but but to steal because you needed it from from one another that that they probably wouldn't have had that as a concept of wrong so after 200 years of slavery god then delivers this people through miraculous signs and wonders plagues sent by god to demonstrate to the egyptians that they should yield to the command to let god's people go I mean, the plagues, they they were sent by God to demonstrate that God is God and that the many deities that the Egyptians worshipped, that they were not real gods. 200 years of slavery and now they're free. This people, they had heard the stories of their people. They had heard the stories of how God had called their their patriarch Abraham, uh, how God led Isaac. They had heard the stories about how God wrestled with Jacob and changed his name to Israel. They, they heard the stories of Joseph being one of Jacob's sons um, and how he was sold into slavery and came to Egypt and then rose by God's, by God's provision to the second in command of all of Egypt and how because he had success there, that eventually their entire people came to Egypt during a great famine. They had heard those stories. They had heard how, the, how their distant relatives knew God, but these slaves did not know God. Not for themselves. And now this God has done this mighty work to set them free. And for the first time, how they should live, what right, what is right and what is wrong. It's not determined by an Egyptian slave master. No, now they get to figure out what is right and wrong. And God brings them to a mountain and Moses goes up there and he comes down with 10 commandments, 10 rules. The very first rules that they are given as a people. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourselves carved images. You shall not take the Lord's name in vain. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal, you shall not lie, and you shall not covet. Exodus 2012, here's where we see it. It reads specifically. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has giving you. Think about this. At that period in history, women had very little value in society. I mean, there was a world that had a long history of diminishing women as less than. Less than men. And God says, honor your mother. Honor that woman. Don't just simply honor the father. Don't just simply honor the men, but honor your mother. Honor. To regard with great respect, to recognize, to esteem. When God in his wisdom sought to communicate the most foundational rules for life to a people who had no guidance in life and morality, he includes honor your mother and your father. But when you look at the Ten Commandments there are eight basic things that you should not do. Two things that you should do. Eight negative commands two positive commands. Eight commands which are given so that you can avoid harmful consequences in life. Two commands which are beneficial to you and bring a blessing. Of the Ten Commandments the first four deal with our relationship with God. The next six deal with how we are to relate to one another. And then you look at it. The very first law given to govern human relationships is this one. Honor your father and mother. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament, he points this out to us in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first command with a promise. That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. You see, this, this first command for human relationships, it also comes with a promise from God. There is a blessing that comes from this command. Now think about this. If this is the first command that God gives regarding how we should relate to each other, if this is the first command that comes with a promise, then how important is it for us to honor our mothers and fathers? Why is it that when, when God is giving the first rules to his people, rules and commands that reflect his heart and character, rules that promote our God, why is it that honoring your mother and father is the first rule regarding human relationships? I mean, When you look at the Ten Commandments, God says that we're to honor our father and mother. He says that before he says you shall not commit murder, you shall not commit adultery. I mean, I think most of us can easily understand how murder and adultery will disrupt society. But God intentionally says, honor your mother and father before he tells us not to murder and not to commit adultery. Paul points out that this command is the first command that comes with a promise. And it is. Like like when you go through the Old Testament, of all the commands that are given, it's the first one that comes with a promise. Other commands... In the Ten Commandments, they, they're meant to prevent bad things from happening. This particular command is meant to promote our prosperity and our good. Look, if, if you know your biblical history, the nation of Israel struggled to follow God's commands. They, they, would, they would get distracted. They would go off. They would chase other gods. They would do their own thing. And God would warn them, hey, you need to come back. You need to come back. You need to follow my ways. God, for 700 years, sent them prophet after prophet to warn them to come back. Quit quit cheating on me. Quit going after these foreign gods. Quit making yourself the center of the universe. Follow my rules. This is for your good. 700 years, he would give them chance after chance after chance. Like, do you see how patient our God is? A lot of people look in the Old Testament and they see a God who's angry with fire and brimstone. I see a God who has great patience. Like like I just need to drive down the North Dallas Tollway at rush hour to fi- figure out how different I am from God. He's got 700 years of patience. Put me in they got 24 lines at the Walmart and only two of them are open. I'm out of patience. 700 years of patience. Our God is a God of great patience. But he's also a God who keeps his word. And after 700 years of patience, he finally sends judgment on the nation. And they are conquered by the Babylonians. They're carried off into exile. And one of the reasons why God sends judgment upon them, we're told in the book of Ezekiel, it was for failure to honor their parents. Look at this, Ezekiel chapter 22, verse 7 father and mother are treated with contempt in you. The sojourner su- suffers extortion in your midst. The fatherless and the widow are wronged in you. It's important to God that we honor father and mother. Why is it so important? I would contend... That the reason that God puts honoring your father and mother before all the other rules for human relationships, it's that more than any other rule, this rule promotes societal stability. The key to societal stability is reverence and respect for parents and their authority. Look, if Satan wants to cause mass chaos and destruction in society, he needs only to strike at the family if he can break down and break apart the family, then the rest of society falls apart at the seams. And it would appear, as I watch the news, that Satan is being quite effective at destroying families in America. When we have, in this day and age, absent fathers all around, selfish mothers, a culture that that exalts disrespect, and rebellion. We would do well to rediscover God's plan for families. And I believe that there can be really nothing more healing in our culture than for our churches to help families reconnect with God's plan. Which, you know, several years ago I began to partner with a ministry called Family Life, Um, and they they really focus on helping families, families of all sorts. You know, if you're a blended family, they've got resources to help there because that's a complicated thing. Um, Just so you know, because of my relationship with them, uh, this this group called Family Life, they, uh, they have a marriage conference coming to Plano, I believe it's June 8th. They're going to be up at a uh, hotel up there in the legacy area. Anyway, if that's something that you would like to be a part of, and I highly recommend it, whether your marriage is struggling or you just want to build it up better, um, let, me, uh, let me help you get there. I can get you a discount to it, all right? So come see me. Um, but I just I really do believe that, that helping families rediscover God's plan will do tremendous help for our entire culture as a whole. Mother's Day is a great idea but I hope today that you're hearing that it was God's idea long before it was officially recognized as in our nation. And and God's idea is not for us to simply set aside a day to honor your mom. God's way is that we should honor our mothers continually consistently. Honoring honoring your mother is foundational to God's design for the family. I mean, I just kind of picture it. I, see, I think God up in heaven, he looks down, and, and he looks down at mothers, and he sees all the sacrifice, all the frustration that you get, all, all the energy spent, all the love poured out, and then he turns and looks at the rest of us, and he says, you honor that woman. Husbands, you ought to insist that your children honor their mother. So today I want you to hear God say, honor your mother. Not just because it's Mother's Day, but because a mother's sacrifice honors God. Honor her, For, for most of us, your mother probably deserves it. I mean, do you remember what you were like when you were a kid? Do you remember what you were like as a teenager? You you honor her. And, and should you be someone here who's struggling with the thought of honoring your mother because of the things that she did or the things that she did not do? Can you, can you believe in the promise that God gives here? That by honoring your mother and father, it would go well with you in the land that he's giving you. Can you believe that that this promise will promote your good? And and by, by honoring your mother, it may be the step that you take today to follow God's plan that will be the first step in healing the hurt that you've carried for so very long. Most mothers that I know are women who go the extra mile, give the extra effort, and sacrifice more than we will ever know. You know, to close today, I want to contrast what we think is typical for motherhood with some really extraordinary depictions of selfishness that were celebrated in the media. There was a woman a few years back named Josie Cunningham in England. And she made headlines for her decision to have an abortion. And and it's the reason for her decision to have an abortion that, that gained attention. You see, Josie was a model and a call girl and she had aspirations of being famous and she wanted a nose job but she couldn't have a nose job while carrying a child so she said she chose to give up the child so she can have that nose job done and this is what she said she says i'm finally on the verge of becoming famous and i'm not going to ruin it now and abortion will further my career This time next year, I won't have a baby. Instead, I'll be famous driving a bright pink Range Rover and buying a big house. Nothing will get in my way. Have y'all heard of Josie Cunningham? Yeah, that whole famous thing didn't work out for her. There was another woman from New Jersey named Emily Letts. She decided she wanted to be an inspiration to women by filming her own abortion. She wanted to show how easy it was. And in an interview after the abortion, a month later, she's quoted, this is, how, this is what she says. She says, I don't feel like a bad person. I don't feel sad. I knew that what I was going to do was right. It was right for me and no one else. Now, if that's not a Freudian slip if I have ever heard one. It was right for me and no one else. I bring up these stories to contrast against all you women out there that when You don't just do what's right for you and only you. When when deciding right and wrong, you think of others. And oftentimes what is right for others requires sacrifice on your part. The word that describes someone who's Willing to give of themselves for the sake of others. Someone willing to sacrifice their self. Someone who will go the extra mile, stay the extra hour, give the extra effort. Someone who defends, protects, promotes, and uplifts. Someone who does these sort of things without asking for fame and glory. Someone who does these sort of things because it's right. Not right for me and no one else. No, I'm doing it because it's just right. You know what a word that describes that person is? The word is hero. And there are heroes gathered here today. I know moms, you feel lots of things. You see those kids, some things you do helps them become things you're proud of. And sometimes you're like, gosh, I failed them. I mean, my wife apologizes to my son because he's our guinea pig. And he's like, why do I have to be the guinea pig? It's probably because no one else in the family would be strong enough to endure that sort of stuff. It just goes to show, like, we want good. We don't have it all together to, to make it happen. And so, moms, you feel lots of things. But today, I want you to know that you are braver than you think and braver than you know. Play this video for As you live heroically, giving of yourself, doing what is right, because it's not just right for you, but it's right for those little ones, right for others. You're living in the same manner as the greatest hero of all, Jesus. Jesus, who did what was right, what was needed. He did what was hard. He paid the price so that all of us who are helpless can be saved. Jesus took the punishment for yours and mine sin. He endured the penalty for each and every time we violate the laws of God, he was beaten, bruised, pierced, and hung to die because that's what it took to rescue us from our sin. He didn't think about what was right for only himself. He thought about what it would take to make things right for all who have gone wrong. And hanging on that cross with nails in his hands and nails in his feet, he made an effort to take care of his mom. With the weight of the world upon him, moments from death, he thinks about his mom. Joseph, her husband, had passed away. And Jesus knew that there was no oldest son to take care of his mother. So he turns to John and he says to him, here is your mother. And then he turns to Mary and he says, here is your son. Listen, is there any greater reason to motivate us to honor our mothers than the command of God and the example of Jesus? And our homes and families, if they are to be as God desires them to be, then let us honor our mothers. And not just on the second Sunday in May, but every day as we have opportunity to. You know, I'll let you enjoy my discomfort. My mom calls me last week and she says, I got a request for Mother's Day. And she'll see me do creative things on Valentine's Day for my wife. And she's like, "Oh, she wants that. And so she asked me to, this, this year to write her a poem for Mother's Day. But that's not my strong suit. My mom's from Mexico. She says, I want you to write me a poem in Spanish. I'm like, I just tell it, I'm like, I don't even know what I'm going to write in English, much less a language that I don't know, use ever. But how could I preach this sermon today and not go get on Google Translate and figure it out? So that's part of my day today. I hope you'll make some effort today to follow the words of your father in heaven who says, honor your mother some way, somehow. Do it in Spanish if you have to. We're going to stand and we're going to sing. I don't know what God's speaking to you because I know my message is very pointed. But I'm going to stand up here at the front. And if you'd like to pray with your pastor about what God is just moving you to do, I invite you to come. I invite you to come. If you are one who, this Jesus who gave his all to save us, you have not received that salvation that you've come here today and you've just come with doubts, but some way, somehow, as God does, he's been speaking to your heart and you need to be saved and become a part of the forever family of faith. You come. I walked the aisle of a church and met Jesus, you can too. It's not the only way, but it's a good way. It's a good way. I don't know. Whatever God's doing, you just follow his lead. As we stand and sing... You commit yourself to God. Father God, I thank you for this moment. I thank you for all the moms that are in this room. I thank you for the moms who belong to us in this room. That Even though the mom's not here, that God, in some way, we can do as you've called us to do, as you command us to do, and give her honor and respect. And not just today, but in many days and every day. And God, that in our lifetime, we could see families restored. We can see your plan taking form in homes. And God, I know that there are things that we probably ought to change and edit in our own homes to to get a part of what is your plan. God, give us the conviction and the courage to take that step. And the faith to believe that you are wiser than we are, that your ways are way more beneficial than our wants, and that, God, we would each learn to humble ourselves and yield ourselves to your desires. God, you know every person in here today. You know them deeply and intimately. You know their hurts. You know their hangups. God, in this moment, Speak to each heart that today would also be a day of getting things right with you, whatever that takes. And I pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen.